0: Going to start with a question. Do you pray? If you do then you're one of the over 40% of people who say that they pray. What do they pray for? I'm sure some of them say thank you when they feel they've been saved from something going wrong but I guess also many of them ask for God's intervention even when maybe they're actually uncertain of God's existence. People pray because they believe prayer changes things, and they're right. We're starting a new series today on growing in prayer. And this series is for these groups of people, those of us who don't pray, or maybe only pray when we're really worried and we feel we need help. It's a series for people who've been disappointed and they struggle to believe that prayer works. It's for those of us who feel a little distance from God, maybe unworthy for him to hear your prayers. Those who've prayed for years, but maybe our words have got a little cold. And of course, it's also for those for whom prayer is an absolute delight, but you long for more to grow in prayer, we can learn a lot by looking at how others have prayed. So that's what we're going to do over the coming weeks. We're going to study some of the great prayers in the Bible. And then we are going to take what we learn and put it into practice in our own prayer lives. I am really excited about what God wants to teach us. So let me start by telling you the story of a woman called Hannah. We meet her in the book of Samuel in the Old Testament of the Bible. She lived around 3000 years ago and the prevailing culture was very different from how it is now. So, for example, we are told that she is one of the two wives of a man called Elkanah. For those of you new to the church, let me tell you, we do tend to frown on that sort of thing these days. And the other thing that you might know about Hannah is that she has no children. And of course today, there are many women and men who who yearn to be parents and they find being childless very difficult. In Hannah's day, childless women were often reviled or they were looked on with suspicion because children are a sign of blessing. So if you have none, then you must have done something wrong. Now, fortunately, we're told that Hannah has a loving husband, but his other wife, Peninnah, who has several children, seems to be quite mean to her. But Hannah is a pious woman and she prays to God in her anguish and she promises God that if he remembers her and he gives her a son, she will dedicate him to God's service. And her prayers are answered and she gives birth to Samuel. Now, you might know that there are a couple of books of the Bible named after Samuel. So there's a bit of a clue there that he turns out to be a pretty key figure in Israel's history. Now, that was a really strong vow that Hannah made. I don't know if you've ever done that yourself. You've prayed that sort of prayer where you say, well, if you just do this one thing for me, God, I'll never ask you for anything again. And then, of course, we forget all about the promise that we've made. But Hannah keeps her promise. And when Samuel is weaned, he'd be maybe about three years old. She brings him back to the temple where she first prayed and she gives her son back to God and she leaves him there to serve under Eli the priest. So as we turn to the Bible now, we are going to meet Hannah on this momentous day, um, leaving Samuel in God's service. And we're going to specifically look at what she prayed. We're reading from uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 2, starting at the beginning. So do follow along with me. Um, The words will be on the screen if you don't have a device or a Bible with you. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. Just going to pause there because that's a really weird expression. Um, When your horn is lifted high, that means you've been delivered from disgrace to a position of honour and strength. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warrior are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and makes them inherit a throne of honour. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It's not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. For Jews, this prayer, sometimes known as the Song of Hannah, is regarded as a model for how to pray. But I confess that on first reading, I didn't really see why straight away. So let me see if I can help us all to see a pattern here that we can follow in our own prayer life. First of all, I think it's evident that this is a prayer of praise. And the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, the Lord's Prayer, also starts by hallowing God's name. Praising God is always a good place to start. And Hannah praises God who has answered her prayer. He's reversed her fortune. Her critics are silenced. Her emptiness and misery and shame have been replaced with joy and with honour. Verse 1, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. That nasty panina woman has been put in her place. And it's good to be thankful for all that God gives us. A while ago, I started the habit of listing at least five things that I was thankful for every day. I think, Constant gratitude is is good. I I don't ever want to take for granted that I have food in my fridge, that I have clean running water in my house, indeed that I have a roof over my head. But I was struck that Hannah's gratitude makes her focus on God rather than what he's given her. Do you notice she, she doesn't mention her son Samuel? Her focus is on God. So she could have prayed, oh, thank you for little Samuel. He's grown so well. Do you see his chubby cheeks and his little dimples? And before we know it, she could have been focused on the gift and not on the giver of the gift. When I give thanks, there is a risk that my thoughts still revolve around me to some extent. Instead, Hannah sees all the wonder of God's character in this one personal experience. So my original first heading for my talk was Hannah praises God for what he's done for her. But actually, more importantly, she praises God for who he is. If you read verse two, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. So prayers of thanksgiving are great, but we can turn them into prayers of adoration for our heavenly Father. And if you go on to read the rest of this book of the Bible, you'll see how actually Hannah's prayer very neatly functions like an introduction to the whole book. She has had her fortunes completely reversed and that experience is a sign of how God would reverse Israel's fortunes. Israel is deeply oppressed at this time and constantly threatened by a group called the Philistines. Now Hannah had no way of, of knowing how things would work out at this point and I just love that Hannah has prayed a perfectly normal and understandable prayer for what her heart yearned for. And while she saw that prayer answered, she would never fully appreciate the magnitude of God's response. She wants a child. Israel gets Samuel. He's a hugely significant figure with a special role in God's plan. In terms of Israel's history, he's the last of the judges, and it is Samuel who ushers in the kings. He anoints King David. And, of course, Jesus Christ is in David's own lineage. Whilst Hannah couldn't know this, we see that in faith, because Hannah has acknowledged what God did for her, she believes he can and he will work powerfully in everybody's life. So as the prayer moves on, we see that there's this change from her, the particular of her situation to the general. So she starts with examples from everyday life of how God often works contrary to natural expectations and how He brings about surprising reversals. The hungry get to eat, the weak are strengthened. Even if we read verse 6 and 7, the Lord brings death and makes alive, He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth, He humbles and he exalts. So Hannah is proclaiming that life and death, prosperity and adversity are determined by God's sovereign power. So you see in these verses, this repeated theme of God's reversal of fortune, bringing down the powerful and raising up the lowly. And Hannah doesn't put that down to chance. She saw God as um, the apostle Paul would much later put it, making all things work together for good to them that love him. She saw the Lord's hand in everything. And she gives us a pattern here of praising God in all circumstances and acknowledging his sovereign power as we turn to him in hard times. Verse three warns against pride and arrogance. There's a warning here against self-sufficiency. Our circumstances are in God's hands. Do our prayers recognise that? When I was in my early 30s, I was very unhappy. My marriage had ended and I remember thinking, I can never ever be happy again. Maybe you've been there. Or maybe that's where you are right now. Well, God put me in this church family where I heard his word taught and people loved me. He reversed my fortunes and that built my faith to pray that others would see that miraculous change as well. So what we learn from Hannah is we can bring the troubles that we see around us to God, believing that he has the power to bring about change. And now at the end of her prayer, something rather wonderful happens. Having acknowledged God's work in her own life and in the wider life of the nation, Hannah now looks to the future and the confidence that she has in God's continuing care lasting for all eternity. Verse 8 says, For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. Just as an aside, there's a bit of a suggestion that given the content of this prayer, that these are not all Hannah's words and that somebody has later inserted a bit of a psalm or a bit of a song But you know, over history, historians have often been really reluctant to attribute great works to women. And often women's words have often been unfairly attributed to men. So today, I'm just giving Hannah the benefit of the doubt. And I am attributing all of this beautiful and powerful prayer to her. So we come to this final extraordinary verse, verse 10. Hannah now speaks prophetically at a time when the nation is about to enter an important new period of her history. Bear in mind at this time, Israel has no king. Read verse 10 for you. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalts the horn of his anointed. Does Hannah see prophetically the role that her son Samuel will play? This is the first mention in the Bible of the anointed king. And the words anointed and Messiah come from the same word, and then the Greek translation gives us the word Christ. So while David, King David and Solomon, they partly fulfill this prophecy, it actually fully comes about with Jesus, who will be king of kings. This is what he said to his followers. I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Luke chapter 6. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. It's Jesus who brings in God's kingdom and that reversal of fortunes that we all seek. We can trust him with our futures. We can stand firm knowing that his faithful care in the past is going to last for all eternity. What a prayer this is. We see God cares about Hannah as an individual and her circumstances. She sees that in fact, God is in charge of all our circumstances. And now at the end of the prayer, she acknowledges that our futures are safe in his hands as well. Maybe in ways that she and we can never imagine. What have you learned from Hannah's prayer? How can we take this prayer into the coming week? Well, we can start by praising God. What are you thankful for? Praise Him for what He has done for us. But then consider, what does that tell you about your loving Father who gave you these good gifts? Yes, I'm grateful for this wonderful church family that God put me in. And I say thank you for all of you every week as I come to church. But also it makes me adore him as a generous provider full of love. And, you know, in those times when we struggle to find our own words to praise God, we can use a psalm. We can use a song that we've heard here on a Sunday. I often find the words of a song that we sing on a Sunday morning is still with me on a Wednesday or a Thursday running through my mind. And that's a great way to keep praising God for who he is. We can learn to make those words our own. And then I say to you, why not acknowledge that God is in control Where do we need to give up our self-sufficiency? Looking outward, God has the power to reverse fortunes, so praise him for what he's doing in the world around you. We don't know all that he knows. His timing might be frustratingly different to ours. Like Hannah, we may never know the consequences of our prayers. God is doing so much more than we understand. And are we anxious about the future? We can pray knowing that it's in God's hands. We may not get to see how things turn out, but we can be sure that he is fulfilling his plan. So I pray that we all grow in prayer this summer.